Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers, all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim. Hey, Mr. Craig. How are you today, man? I'm doing fantastic, Tim. What's going on in your world? Uh, I don't know. It's March. Anything different about March than February? Uh, we should be going in rainy season soon. I don't know. Did you? Uh, so what did you do on February 30th? February 30th? Uh, you know I'm union. I get a nap every day. Okay, good, because there was no February 30th this year. <laughs> so anyways. You know how hard, you know, since we were both there in the Air Force and we always had Air Force One on our side and we saw the president, how hard do you think would it be to get like somebody in here? I don't know, like the president, like the former president or something. We're going to yeah, talk about yeah, that we later should. on. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that. But you are, again, before we start, you are. Uh, my name's Craig. I'm with Vets Growth at 407-754-5779. And you, sir? I am Tim Proctor with GRP Studios, which is where we are today. Tim at grpstudios.com or 407-782-5969. We're going to have some fun today because I just found out we could have, well, we got two two people in the studio today. Usually we only have one. We have Allie and Dan, and they are with Command Canine Service Dogs. But I understand we have a special, special guest in today. We have Trump in the house. Man, you got that in here? He is. How did you get him in here? I, I cannot believe we've actually got Trump in the house. And they probably got CIA with him. He probably I mean, does. one's a Marine, one's an Army, so, you know, they're CIA. I, I don't know. I'm just, we're going to discover what exactly they've done. But is, is Trump in the house? I thought Trump was in the house. Exactly. There he is. There he is. Trump is in the house. He did a lot of barking in those days, did he not? He did. A, he did a lot of he did a lot of barking in those days. It was. It's been kind of fun. We were excited to see them bring in one of their dogs for today. But can you give me the history of guide dogs in a in one sentence? Can you tell me when they started? Where they started? Yes, I can. Allie and Dan can give you that information. No, I was asking you, do you know anything about the guide dogs? Do I need one? Is that what you're implying now? You because I have bifocals dogs. on? You, you worked with dogs back in the day. You know anything about that? No, that dogs? was not part of our, our scenario, that of our job. Too oh, many crickets. Wait a minute, let's talk about you. You're, you're in the Air Force as a cop. What happened to you? My dad was a guard dog operator in the Coast Guard, World War II. Yeah, I could see those on boats. Yeah. Because they swim, right? He was on an island. <laughs> yeah. 1929, the CNI, the oldest and one of the largest guide dog schools in the United States. So, Allie, Dan, Allie, welcome to the show today. Thank Thanks you for, for having coming us. In. Thank you for having us. Well, it's been a lot of fun. We've had some discussion outside before we started all this. I did some research on your business. But first, before we go any farther, we have an Army and a Marine in here. And there's going to be a tie-in to the Air Force that maybe they're, they don't remember. But So, Allie, give me your background. What did you do? How long did you serve and all that good stuff in like five seconds? So I was in the Army for four years. I was a military working dog handler. I worked bomb dogs and narcotic. Um, I was in Korea and then I was at Fort Sill. I traveled all over doing Secret Service missions and whatnot with the dog. That's right up your alley, isn't it, Craig? I was at Shepherd. I didn't like you guys. <laughs> were you, you were over in Korea back in, back um, in the last century. So Yeah, back in the 80s. You were even born. I was in uh, Osan. I was in Yongsong. Yeah. So I had a good spot. Golly. Uh, and then you were at Sill. When were you at Sill? 2015 to 17. Why do you even ask it? I know she wasn't going to be. I got her like 30 years. <laughs> and then Dan, you are a Marine veteran. Yes, I am. And same background for you. 
I joined the Marine Corps in 2007. I joined as a military police officer in military police school. I uh, went to canine school, which I graduated to specialized search dog school. And I was a specialized search dog handler from 2008 to 2015. I did a couple tours overseas at Afghanistan. I was stationed in uh, San Diego, California. I also got stationed in Yuma, Arizona, which there's a... Oh, uh, that's a hot spot. Oh, it's Literally. lovely. It's lovely. I spent, I spent four years in Tucson at DM, so we passed through Yuma if we had to. It was a horrible place to be. A lot of people don't like Yuma. I absolutely love it. I had a great time. I had a great tour. That was my first experience with actually doing cop things as a military police officer. My first four years, I was overseas deploying with all kind of secret squirrel units and different cool stuff like that. And I got to Yuma as a sergeant. Got there and that was my first experience with the road. And I was a sergeant and there were like PFCs and Lance Corporals telling me, hey, sergeant, do this. Hey, make sure this gets done. And I'm like, yeah, I know that, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I had an awesome, awesome Marine Corps career. It was great. Fantastic. So how did you two get together? Is Command K-9 your, your baby, so to speak, and then Daniel is part of it? Did you guys join, do it together? Because you're married and your husband does construction, construction right. work. I had worked for a nonprofit. Well, I've worked for two nonprofits doing service dog training. I had my own dog training business doing private dog training. It's Command K-9 Behavior. So this is a sister company. I decided to leave the nonprofit that I was with. And I reached out to Danny and our friend Mike, both of which were handlers I had served with, really knowledgeable in the dog world. And I'm like, hey, I want to start a nonprofit and I want you guys to help me. And they jumped headfirst into it. Every obstacle, everything, you know, right there to help me, right there to support it. And it's the three of us doing it. Wow. And then so the other partner of this this triangle is... His name's Michael Vancor. Michael Vancor. Um, he was a SSD handler, and then he was a mind dog. So he is an engineer in the Army. Okay. I remember seeing that on the website that he was an engineer. So just kind of try and tie those two together. You know, I realized something. We probably should have done this earlier. Give contact information before we do anything else. How do people contact you individually and then the organization as a whole? So my name's Alexandra Nass. I go by Allie. My phone number is 386-216-1939. We have a Facebook page that's Command Canine Service Dogs. We're very easily to reach, normally answer within an hour or two. And then we also have CommandCanineServiceDogs.com. That's all our websites, kind of talks about our programs. We do private lessons. So say if there's a local veteran that has a dog, as long as the dog's not aggressive, skittish, is a good candidate, we'll train the veteran to train their dog in private lessons. So you train them to train their dog. Correct. Train the trainer course. Train the trainer yeah. course. Okay. So we'll, and we're going to get a little bit deeper into more of that. Do you, so you give, the, you give the contact numbers. Yours the same or how do people? Yeah, mine you? is the same. My cell is 407-463-6758. Daniel Cornier is the name. But we would be totally remiss if we did not. Who let the dogs out? You know, <laughs> this is the Who name of the episode. And bringing back the Baja men, which you guys, I don't know, do you guys even remember the Baja men? Okay. I, I right. remember. Bringing back the Baja men with Who Let the Dogs Out as today's episode. You both ended up going to Lackland for your training. See, because it yes. all comes back to the Air Force. I knew it. I mean, it, it you got to come on and learn the rights. I did enjoy the Air Force base because of your chow hall on the oh, uh, barracks. Yeah. Oh, oh to, yeah. Do they bring it to you in, in your room? Yeah, they breakfast in bed. Usually. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 So you both did training, canine training at Lackland. I enjoyed it. My uh, my primary trainer was Air Force, and he was phenomenal. Whoa, I'm I'm whoa. thankful. Well, <laughs> I don't know what you had, but it's phenomenal because we ate better and we slept better. Than I, I did have guys. really good food. That was the first time that I walked in. I'm like looking around, and like they took the trays from you, and you weren't just standing in a line. And they didn't do that back in the '70s when we were in. Okay, just rem remember that. 
<laughs> but we're virtual Air Force now, right? Yeah, it's all. For, we had somebody last week talk about the Air Force. You guys are so easy. Now it's all virtual boot camp. You know, that's, <laughs> virtual. That's, that's a good one. That's, that's pretty that's good. A good one. That's pretty good. So you both ended up quasi in the same field. Did you have a choice when you went into the training on what you would specialize in? Yes, to an extent. When the canine program Back in 2006, 2007, the canine program mainly consisted of military police officers that were doing all garrison work, which if you're not familiar with garrison, it's just the actual cop work. And then the Marine Corps switched, kind of switched gears to more of a deployable unit. And part of that deployable unit was the program that Army, the Army started was the SSD program. And in the SSD program, it's basically all single purpose, which means explosive only, off-leash dogs. When I came into K-9, I started as a um, patrol dog handler, and there were some friends of mine who graduated before me that talked up the SSD program. So as soon as I finished my patrol dog handler school, I was like, I want to go to SSD school. So I was only one of the only, I want to say one of the first Marine Corps, cla- all Marine Corps classes, and one of the first students to go s- directly from patrol school to SSD school. So I never had to go out to the fleet. I actually stayed at Lackland and uh, went straight to SSD school. So what about you, Allie? What, what was your... I enlisted as a 31 Bravo, which is military police, but I knew that there was a chance of getting canine. I grew up with 25 dogs my entire life and law enforcement and laying tracks for bloodhounds and stuff. So I I knew I wanted canine. So when I got to basic, I aggravated my drill sergeants every single day. I would go up to them, hey, drill sergeant, I want canine. They're like, all right, there's like 6,000 other people that want it. I'm like, yeah, but I need it. They're like, max your PT, max your weapon quals, do really good, don't get in trouble, and I'll see. So I did it, you know, and I begged every single day. Hey, Joe Sarton, you have that canine spot? Hey, you have that canine spot every single day for five months. Squeaky oil gets the wheel. Yeah. Squeaky wheel gets the oil, whatever that was. And I get called down thinking I'm in trouble. And he's like, all right, sign this. And I, you're going to just be shoveling pens. You're going to be shoveling poop. I was like, I don't care. That's how I used to get ice cream, you know? So. That <laughs> she did work for ice cream. Don't, yeah, yeah. Don't look I was like, she's working for poop? Uh, <laughs> no, as a kid, if I wanted to go get ice cream or anything, I had to go clean dog pens. So, uh, I, I mean, it was, I was used to it. And I was really fortunate. I went down to Lackland, graduated top of my class. Top and, dog? And I did. It's, that's yeah. great. Wow. You, you go to dog school, you, you Hey, did you get a certificate showing, does it say top dog on it? I do. So that is fantastic. Yeah, that's great. And by the way, you have a great logo for your business. You have a great logo. I really like that logo. Who made it for you? Did you? Danny did. You made the logo? I did. I made it. Excellent. Excellent logo. Anyways. With crayons? <laughs> yeah, with the ones that I snack on in the meantime. You know, I sharpen them up. Yeah. It was, again, if you get a chance, go to, give me the website. Again, it's commandk9servicedogs.com. It's really cool if you go in there and look at some of the details. So you both go through the training and you go out and you spend how many years? Four years Four apiece? Years. Four years apiece. I did eight years. You did eight years. Okay. Yes. He did 20. So. Tons of experience yeah. in the room, right? Tons of experience in the room. Absolutely. <laughs> Tim Absolutely. knows all about generators. Yeah, we that's, we spend a lot of our time standing next to generators in, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and so you spend four years and you decide to get out. You spend eight years and you decide to get out. What led you to doing this as opposed to going into, I want to do police work? I want to do coming in here and do police work. Or I, did didn't, you? I didn't do like the law enforcement side. Okay. I, um, I was kind of a bad cop. I would go off with my dog and do training, and I didn't really like the the law enforcement side. I, I loved working with the dogs. That's my my comfort. That's you know my peace. It's very therapeutic to me. But I enjoyed giving back. So it's kind of like a win win for me. I'm getting to work with other vets, which I get along with better anyways. Right. 
I get to hang out with dogs all day. And to me, it's like I play with dogs. Yes, they're doing very important tasks. And yes, you know, even when I was working that explosive dogs, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to play with puppies. No big deal. So biggest challenge working narcotics or working explosives? Because, you know, to be all in all seriousness, what you guys did for explosives, it's not for everybody. And it's dangerous. I mean, you're you and your dog are at risk when you're searching for this kind of thing. Absolutely. Did you have a bigger challenge than? I, I think the biggest challenge is getting exactly what you said, getting that out of your head. You do so much training to, you know, they say that train, train how you fight, right? That you do so much training to kind of separate yourself from like the re- reality of it. So I think the biggest thing is learning how to do that because once you're out there operational, actually searching for explosives, it almost feels like training. So it takes the jitters out of it and you, it's easy to go back to muscle memory and, and, and basically perform what you've, tra- uh, what you've trained at. So it's just getting in the right mindset. So how do you then stay sharp where it doesn't become that casual thing? How do you stay sharp doing what you're doing? I think it's the people you have around you. The, the, your, the people that you train with, you keep each other sharp. I'm, I'm sure it is in the, in the Air Force and the Marine Corps. Everybody makes fun of each other. No, 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 Tim. We're not sharp, are we? <laughs> no, we're, <laughs> we're, up, we're past that mark. As you get older, you get duller. But no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. so you, know, you, you kind of get used to having the pressure of your peers around you and really picking apart every little single thing you do. But it's more of a joking environment. So you learn to deal with the pressure in a more joking way, and it kind of calms you and keeps you in that sharp sort of mentality. Yeah. What about you? I mean, same thing he said, but some of my kennel masters, like when I would do training, we would do very realistic. Like we go into a building and there'd be C4 around a door. I mean, yes, it's actual C4, but it, in a training situation. And if we didn't check, they they would say, oh, you killed your dog. And we'd have to pick up our dog and kind of embarrassed, being embarrassed, walk down the road screaming, I killed my dog. And it teaches you, it's very realistic that this can happen, but it's also like in a joking matter. So yeah, it, again, we we were not in that involved. I was in 78 to 82, so we were just prior or post-Vietnam, pre-Gulf War. So my job was easy. In comparison to what you all have to face, my job was a cakewalk, even if it wasn't in the Air Force. But it was still, we made light of the situations we were in simply because you see with television shows, like old shows like MASH and some of the other ones, you just make light of it, not because it's not serious. It's just really the only way sometime to get through Absolutely. what you're going through. What it, com- what it comes down to is like y'all went through some really trauma times. And when you see that trauma, it reverts back to your PTSD, all right? However, you've got to make a joke about it to get through it because there's nobody going to be out in the field with you and say, hey, let's talk about this situation you just you know came through. Mm-hmm. So your camaraderie really picks up from the other people around you to help each other out. You could be doing the same thing. You're going through the training. You're going through the door. You smell C4, and all of a sudden the dog supposedly gets simulated, blowing up, and you have to carry it back. Everybody goes through a scenario of training to learn because it's going to happen. They're pushing you through this. So every time you have a scenario, you can think back before you actually have the actual happen. It's, yeah, we're all going to make fun of each other because we all done stupid things. Yeah, we, and we've all, under, we've all understood. I've, I've said time and time again, I can make fun of my brothers and sisters and other service members, and they can make fun of me all day long, call you a wingnut, call you whatever they want to, <laughs> but don't make fun of them if you've never served. You don't yeah. have that right to do that. So yeah. we're going to come back on the second half and talk about some more things, and I want to get some detail on what you're doing for the community and how you actually help others. Great. Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your six. 
Command Canine Service Dogs is a nonprofit organization that provides professional service dog training free of charge to disabled veterans, and we do this thanks to your generous donations. We are a group of veteran dog handlers that have joined together for the common interest of helping fellow veterans. We strive to obtain the best quality of life possible for disabled veterans through the assistance of a properly trained service dog. Follow us on Facebook for the latest news on our organization or check out our website, Command Canine Service Dogs. Dogs.com for more information. All right, we are back with the second half of Who Let the Dogs Out. Allie and Dan are here from Command Canine Service Dogs.com. Before we go any farther, give people an idea how they can get a hold of you one more time. My phone number is 386-216-1939. My name is Alexandra Nass. I go by Allie. And my name is Daniel Cornier. My phone number is 407-463-6758. And you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, commandcanonservicedogs.com. Now, we were talking during the break about some things that most of us or some a lot of people may not know. You provide service animals, correct? Correct. So that dog's going to go take a big chunk out of somebody's leg when they attack. No, no aggression. Okay. So tell me what is a service animal? So a service animal, they have all the obedience, but the main thing that makes them a service dog is they perform a task for a disability. So it can be mobility. It can be for seizure alert. It can be for PTSD, hearing loss, diabetic response, and then all the things that fall underneath that, that the individual veteran needs. So it has a task. Correct. Are you veterans only or do you do other than veterans? Command Canine Service Dogs is only veterans. Our sister company, Command Canine Behavior, does everybody. Even though, yeah, I, I won't go there and make, yeah. fun of, make fun of people <laughs> that did not serve. So then what is the difference between a service dog and a dog for defense? Is that something that, Dan, that you... Yeah. So just like Alex said before, service dogs have have to have a task. A dog for law enforcement purposes or military, they go through a, a plethora of tests to be able to to be able to perform these tasks within law enforcement. So there's a bunch of governing bodies such as NNDDA or NAPWADA that certifies a dog to perform tasks to either catch and find bad guys or find dope or explosives. So, but that was a good point to bring up because that's, we get a lot of those questions, you know, hey, I have a service dog or hey, I want a service dog to come, you know, if somebody gets, breaks into my house to take a bite out of the guy. Well, that's not a service dog. That's more like a personal protection dog. Service dog will help escort them to the safe. They so will they help can, yeah, oh, after awesome. they're hurt, maybe <laughs> after their protection dog bites them, right? The now, service dog will help them out. <laughs> do you train for that kind of particular animal, protection dog? Yes. Yes. I, I, I was a director of training for a large company here in town for a while and we did nothing but law enforcement and uh, law enforcement dogs, personal protection dogs, and dogs that find dope and explosives, drugs and explosives. Sorry. Tim, do you have any explosives in your house? I'll bring the dog over. No, I j- just have weapons. <laughs> now, for service dogs, is there a specific type of dog that really is, you were telling us during the break about there's things that you do not want for a service dog. Tell me what those are and the best service dog that you could recommend. I don't want any aggression towards other dogs towards people, especially towards children. It has to be a very sturdy dog. So it can't be fearful, can't be skittish, can't be really jumpy. For example, we don't train any pit bulls just because they're very prone to animal aggression. Some people argue it, but there's a lot of animal aggression. No, like American bullies, just because of their body shape, they physically can't do it. They can't sit, they can't lay down. 
unless they have a physical impairment that will disqualify them. So say a veteran comes to us, as long as they are not aggressive, skittish, high anxiety, we'll train their dogs. I have found the best dogs to be labs. I mean, they're, they're just super yeah, sweet dogs. They're just cool dogs. Anyways. Yeah. Rottweilers. Really? Yes. And Belgian Malinois. Those are my top three. They are extremely willing to please. They're phenomenally working dogs for a bigger person. If they need mobility, Rottweilers are great for it. They're very sturdy, strong dogs. A lot of them love to retrieve. Those three breeds have been my top picks. We're going to be actually breeding chocolate labs to give to veterans, though. So if coming up, hopefully starting this summer, if a veteran doesn't already have a dog that would meet our qualifications, we're going to be giving them to veterans, 50% disabled or more. Wow. I mean, I don't have a, a dog. My son always wanted one, but chocolate labs have always been. My grandfather had one, and well, he was a hunter, but he also had springers and all kinds of other hunting dogs, but chocolate labs were my favorite. What about, Dan, from your side? What is the best dog to have for what you need? For the law enforcement side yeah. or personal protection? Uh, I believe, my, I mean, I'm, I'm a little partial. I've always had a Belgian Malinois, but I feel like Belgian Malinois are the, the epitome of a working dog. I mean, they have incredible endurance, incredible stamina, strong, smart, extremely loyal, everything you can ever want in a personal protection dog. I think Belgian Malinois has it in one package. I think the Air Force was going to, when I was still in, before you all were born, we were getting those dogs in. Yeah. Yeah. The Air Force, uh, the Air Force is a big supplier of dogs now. They have a large puppy program and a large majority of their puppy program dogs are Belgian Malinois dogs. Did you see the Beagles when you were in? I did not. Oh, good. I'm no. glad they got rid of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, Beagles. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit to your military service again. What kind of bond do you have with that dog? So before you even start giving the dog commands, at least for me, I spent three weeks just hanging out with my dog, a bonding period to just play fetch. Become, this dog becomes your best friend because when it's just you and the dog, you have to be able to trust your dog. How old was your dog when you? Well, I had three when I was in. I had a Belgian Malinois that was five when I got him. Then I had a Dutch Shepherd that was nine. She retired shortly after I got her. Wooden shoes on a Dutch Shepherd? Sorry. What was that? Wooden shoes on the Dutch <laughs> Shepherd. Tim, tell me why you said Dutch. <laughs> my, my wife is Dutch, so I had to go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I interrupted your, your thing here. And so. then I had um, a black German Shepherd that was four when I got him, all of which I cried profusely when I had to give up. Because with the working dogs, you work with them for a year to three years, however long you're at that duty station, but the dog doesn't leave with you. You leave the dog. So it... it Maybe because I'm a woman, I'm emotional, but I, I cried. I was, it was an extremely hard thing for me to leave the dogs because you build such a, big, a bond with them. So then how do you rebuild? I'm sure you, you were probably the same way. You spent a little bit longer. Did you have dogs for your entire service time? Yeah. So same. the SSD program is a little different because of the, the such of intense bond you have to build with the dog because the dog works all off leash. You have to build a really, really strong bond with the dog. So the SSD program allowed the handlers to move from base to base with the dog. So you didn't have to give up the dog if you moved from base to base. That was a good thing about the SSD program. I would imagine that would be a little bit challenging for the dog, too, especially if you work with a handler, because I'm sure not every single dog bonds with every single person no. the same way. No, no. So um, part of our program was, you know, we have, I, I want to say it was close to 60 dogs at our duty station. And if you didn't bond with the dog within the first couple of days, we would rotate a new dog in and out, in and out. So wow. we had to make sure that dog fit you and fit your personality. So how then do you determine and what kind of different training to get into specifically what you do for veterans? 
What kind of different training programs do you then provide for someone that has PTSD or diabetes? You said you can train specific Task. tasks for them. How do you do that? And how do you, well, obviously someone needs to tell you, I have diabetes, I have seizures. Then where do you go from there? So how I do my training program is normally dogs come to me, they have zero commands. I have all of my dogs go through, we have a five-phase program. We teach basic, advanced, off-leash obedience. Then we do public access training. So then we'll go to Lowe's, we'll go to dog-friendly restaurants, Walmart. We'll build up to, I want to be able to take a dog on a Friday night to a Texas roadhouse, 15 birthdays going on, and you don't know the dog's there. So once all the obedience training, public access training's done, I'll sit down with the veteran and be like, all right. What disabilities do you have that you're wanting your dog to train for? So some people are like, all right, I have PTSD. And I'm like, okay, so you get uncomfortable when a dog, when someone rushes up to you. Yeah, that makes me really uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable not knowing what's going on. So I'll teach a command such as front or back to where, like with my personal one, I can turn like this and my dog goes immediately behind me and blocks for seizures. We'll teach it, it. Each person's different. Some people want the dog to go under like a pillow. So say they have a grand mal seizure and their heads can, you know, split open on concrete. The dog will act as a pillow or some people want the dog to lay on top of them and hold them down to do deep pressure therapy. So I, I sit down and I specialize my training for each person. So it's not like a just a generic dog getting sent out. It's each person has specific things that would best benefit them. And I train and critique and tweak each thing differently per person. Well, you know, and I know most people that are not veterans, you just hear the words PTSD, you just think of the same thing. Well, PTSD can be loud noises. And what most people don't realize, Fourth of July and New Year's can be some of the most horrible times for veterans that have that kind of PTSD, or whether it's anxiety, or whether there's just there's a variety of that. And that's so when having a sturdy dog comes in. I teach veterans how to kind of activate their senses. So say they're just having a complete meltdown, they're either mad, they're upset high anxiety, about to have a panic attack, I'll teach them to direct 100% of their focus to the dog. I'll teach them different techniques to where by the by five minutes from now, they'll be like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm kind of stressed out, but my dogs help me through it. So it's, it's completely focusing on the dog because PTSD, it's not just a, an emotional support animal. It, it's an actual disability that people need help with. And there's so many ways we can go with instructions on how that. So then how is it different from your side, Dan? What do you, do you teach anything different from more of the police side of things? Yeah. So personal protection stuff is, is definitely a lot different. A large crowd doesn't understand is that I am more, I can teach the, a personal protection dog six to eight, nine, 10 weeks. The biggest thing is teaching the handler how to how to handle the dog, how to give commands, how to stay consistent. Training is huge. If you're not showing up to train, if you show up to training once a week and you have a brand new dog or you're showing up to training once a month, you get what you put into it. It's the same thing, same thing with the service dog. Absolutely. Um, some of our veterans are super, super dedicated. I've had veterans that come three times a week doing training for private lessons. And then I have some that come once a month. Well, the difference is one, the timeline on when they're going to graduate and two, the quality of the dog how we do our program is I teach you how to teach your dog, but it's homework. So I do one task at a time to make sure that you're mastering each task before I move on. So if you come back a month later and your dog won't sit and heal, well, guess what? That's what we're doing again. Um, I'm not going to move on. Okay. Yeah. Again, some of the things you don't realize. So for you from a police standpoint, mm -hmm. the same type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It, just like I said before, it's it's what you put into it. You know, you really have to dedicate yourself. It's, it's almost a lifestyle. When you, when you 
sign up to get a personal protection dog. You know, that's part of that's whole first couple of weeks is the lifestyle. Hey, this dog needs this per week and just showing up to training and, and put in 110%. That's probably 75%, 80% of it. I think, I think, you know, if, if these people have kids, what do they do? Sit the kid out in the yard for a month, say, hey, we'll be back and we'll learn how to do the swing set all over again. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at it that way. Yeah. I mean, their mentality is like, it's a dog. No, it's it's your life. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a part of your family now. You got to keep that mobility training going. Yeah. Some, some people treat it like a vehicle. You know, you buy the vehicle, you put gas in it, and it's going to start up and perform the same way every day as long as you change the oil, do some basic that things. I thought that's, that's I thought my dog. <laughs> I train my dog that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once a month, it's done, right? Yeah. No, it's definitely not like that. It's it's not a machine you can just dump some money into and then it's ready to go and it's going to be the, be the same way every time. You know, it's it, it takes effort, takes work. So how do people know about you? How, I mean, other than your Facebook and other than personal references, and then what's the difference between you and some of the other programs that provide the same thing? I, I think the, I'm sorry, Alan. You go ahead. I think the biggest difference between us is that there's a lot of other service companies out there that do good, they do great work. But the, what sets us apart is that we're all veterans. It's veteran owned veteran veteran business and we actually have veteran trainers so there's not to take anything away from civilian trainers but actually veteran owned business and veteran operated i think that's well, you know, one of the first when you're in the military apart. whatever branch you served in you're on there 24 7 you're with that dog now we knew some people that were given a task to go out on the road and take their dog with them and to make sure that they were doing their job but then they went back and did more training that's fantastic if you have if you're not being called to any incident Take your dog back and get the train because you Absolutely. know what? When an incident comes called upon, you're on it. Yeah. You can't for sure. plan for everything, but the more you plan for, the better prepared you are. Right. One of our one of our early episodes was, you know, you fail to plan, you're gonna plan to fail. So you take that very seriously in yeah, what you're doing point. with those. So then how do we get the word out for you all? Other than listen to a podcast where we have dozens of people waiting to listen to this podcast. Man, I got a slew of people that want to know about you guys. I'm glad you came on it. And awesome. I can't thank you enough for both of you coming in here because you both have different ways of training I know. for the purpose. Do we need to connect you with somebody like Tommy Maldonado? Well, that's what I was going to reach out to, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy Maldonado is Sergeant Major that works with benefits for veterans. We would love to partner with anybody that can help us or that we can help. So, Tommy, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to get a hold of these people right away. But I I really think that's important that we need to let people know how to get a hold of them. I also mentioned about Ernie. We're going to go out to Ernie one day because I can't get a hold of him. He's probably training as much as you all are. So we're going to go out there, bring uh, Mike, Magic Mike. Is that his name, Magic Mike? Magic Mike? <laughs> is that, uh, what, what, we're talking about Mike. Mike who? Mike the dog handler. Oh, Mike know. Vancor? Yeah. Oh. oh he's, in Al- <laughs> uh. he's in Alabama, but I'm sure he'd come down. Now, is he still active? <laughs> yes. He's act. He's actually, uh, he might've got out yesterday. Like he he's. Was, what, uh, what branch? Army. Oh, wait he was, a, he was sorry, an engineer. Man, no Air Force? You, you said Magic Mike. The only thing I'm thinking, I was some... <laughs> My mind was all over the place. Yeah. I'm like, hold on. Oh, what man, kind of, you guys what kind of show is this? On that. Golly. Hey, Mike's going to appreciate that magic mic. Uh, I don't know. I think there's, a, yeah, there might be something with that. Well, anyways, before we go, one more time, how can people get a hold of you? So our website is commandk9servicedogs.com. For veterans that need to apply, there's an application right there on there, and it goes straight to our email. Our Facebook is Command K9 Service Dogs. My name is Alexandra Nass. I go by Allie. My phone number is 386-216-1939. And again, Daniel Cornier, 407-463-6758. And you covered it all, Allie. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of things that we didn't get to today that we wanted to. But we do try and give a tip of the day every day. You didn't look at yours, did you? Are we going to say goodbye to that our, our guest speaker? Oh, that's right. Try, well, he has to get up first, and he has to be available to us. So 
even though he was very, again, he was very quiet. He just kind of laid there. That's not the real president, though, isn't it? That doesn't show. He is not, he's not anything like the, the, the former president. Good. There he is. There he is. is he there? Uh, Actually, he looks he's tired. Them, yeah. He look, yeah, he looks. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Nice, awesome. <laughs> That's great. We want to thank you guys for being here today. It's it's been a lot of fun. Do I hear music? Oh, dude, man, maybe. A bit, listen, awesome. can you take Tim with you, and maybe you can train him about turning out of the. Is I mean, he's music? forgetting things now. I don't, I don't remember hearing music. So hold on, Tim. You look good in the collar. <laughs> I thought I heard music. Evidently, Trump must have hit the phone. Your phone done. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, okay. I'm not losing my mind. I don't. He was need calling a CIA therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of his task. He turns music on when he feels. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Again, it was great having you guys in the studio today. Our tip of the day. We'll do it real quickly. Is that social business marketplace is effectively forcing brands to engage with customers on the basis of something that is meaningful to them. And you guys have done this. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing what you're doing. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having us. It's been a lot of fun, and hopefully we can figure out a way to, I don't know, get out and do something for you. I'm so glad we don't have any bike marks. I'm so used to getting bit. We will, will, (laughs) before we go, we will take a photo of y'all in the studio and post it on social media so we can see. Great. Anything else, Craig? No, they're going to be on my website. Uh, I'm going to post them on my website so we can give them uh, recognition. I only know probably, what, two people? Yeah, we know two people. (laughs) We all have a great day, and uh, if you need some help with this, get a hold of them. Thanks for listening to the Check Your Six podcast. Tune in again next time for more information on your small business development.